Welcome to the First Contact Headache and Primary Care Podcast. Every episode, we break down topics in headache medicine for primary care providers and other healthcare professionals seeing patients with headache disorders. The goal of the First Contact Headache and Primary Care Program is to provide educational resources to empower healthcare professionals and to improve headache and migraine care for patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Mia Minnan, a board-certified headache specialist and associate professor at NYU Langone Health. Hi, Dr. Begastadam. Tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Dr. Menon. I am a board-certified neurologist. I recently graduated from the Headache Medicine Fellowship at the Brigham and Women's Faulkner Hospital and Mass General Hospital. Today, we're going to talk about two different types of medication. Can you tell us about them? Yes, there are two types of migraine medications, abortives and preventives. Abortive medications are medications to take as needed and as early as possible to stop or milden a migraine attack. Preventive medications are standing medications to reduce migraine burden. You spoke a bit about abortive treatments. What are some common medications or medication classes that primary care providers should know about? Tylenol and NSAIDs can be used for mild to moderate non-incapacitating attacks. Choices with level A evidence include Tylenol, Aspirin, Diclofenac, and Ibuprofen. Combination medication with Tylenol, Aspirin, and Caffeine can also be effective. So triptans are another abortive medication, right? Will you explain a little bit about triptans? When should primary care providers use them and how often can patients take them? Yes, so triptans are selective serotonin receptor agonists with high affinity for 5-HT1B and 5-HT1D receptors. The recommended migraine-specific abortive treatment for moderate to severe attacks, attacks refractory to NSAIDs, and disabling attacks. In general, we try to limit the use to two days per week. There are seven different triptans with different half-lives and forms of administration such as oral, intranasal, orally dissolving, and subcutaneous. Intranasal and subcutaneous forms have a faster onset of action and are especially useful in those with nausea. As a general rule, primary care physicians can start with sumatriptan 100 mg orally as needed, which can be repeated in two hours with a maximum of 200 mg per 24 hours. Yeah, so are there any instances where triptans would be a concern for our primary care providers? Yes, common concerns include pregnancy, concomitant use of SSRI, and the elderly patient population. Non-pharmacological options are preferred in pregnancy, but sumatriptan is often used. In a 16-year pregnancy registry published in the Headache Journal in 2014, Sumatriptan was not associated with any major breast defects. Elitriptan is considered the safest triptan in the setting of breastfeeding and renal impairment. I know that many patients as part of their migraine have nausea and are vomiting. Is there anything else that primary care providers should know about if patients are having nausea or vomiting, especially to try to keep them out of the emergency department? Yes, so antiemetic medications can be used as adjunct in the management of acute migraine attacks. The most commonly used antiemetic medications are ondansetron, metoclopramide, and chlorpromazine, 
it's helpful to know that ondansetron has an ODT form, an orally dissolvable form, and promethazine comes also as a rectal form. Okay, so lastly, on the topic of abortive medications, can you share a little bit of information about the Ditans and G-Pants? What should primary care providers know about these new medications? Yes, so there's one Ditan available so far, it's Lasmeditan. It's a selective 5-HT1F serotonin agonist, so it doesn't have the cardiovascular contraindications of triptans. It is a Schedule 5 control substance with a risk of dizziness and sedation. Patients should be advised not to drive or operate machinery for at least eight hours after taking last medicine, even if they feel well enough to do so. GPANs are another new class of migraine abortive medications. They are CGRP receptor antagonists. Two of them are available currently, ubrogepant and remigepant. They have lesser likelihood of acute pain relief at two hours on some triptans, but they have fewer side effects. They can be considered in people with contraindications to triptans or feel triptans, uh, or feel at least to oral triptans. So not enough data yet about the cardiovascular safety. They are processed through cytochrome P50, 3A4, so drug interactions should be considered. So why don't we switch gears and talk about preventive medications? What should primary care providers know about preventive medications for migraine and other headache disorders? Preventive medications are meant to reduce migraine attack frequency, severity, duration, and related disability. They also help prevent overuse of abortive medications, decrease anxiety of future attacks, and improve response to acute treatment. Preventive medications are to be considered when the migraine attacks are frequent and are disabling. Okay, and so what are some of the first-line preventive options for migraine and headache? So the first-line preventive medications include antihypertensive, anti-seizure medication, and antidepressant. The beta blockers metoprolol, propranolol, and timolol have level A evidence. The Canadian Headache Society guidelines also strongly recommends condesartan as a migraine preventive. Topiramate and Depakote have level A evidence. They are contraindicated in pregnancy, so we need to ensure a contraception method before prescribing it in women of childbearing age. Amitriptyline and venafaxine have level B evidence. Amitriptyline is strongly recommended by the Canadian Headache Society guidelines. Nutraceuticals with strong recommendation for migraine prevention include riboflavin, magnesium, coenzyme Q10, and butterbur. So I noticed that you didn't mention anything about onobotulinum toxin, otherwise known by that brand name Botox. And I know that that also has some proven efficacy, right, in preventing migraine attacks. So what are some things primary care providers should know about Botox for chronic migraine? Yeah, so onabotulinum toxin A is FDA-approved preventive treatment for chronic migraine, but it has not been found to have significant benefit for episodic migraine. So diagnosis of chronic migraine requires headaches at least 15 days per month and migraine attacks at least 8 days per month for a period of at least 3 months. It has to be injected by your certified provider in the office once every 3 months with about 31 injections and is usually well tolerated. First-line preventive options have to be tried and or contraindicated before considering Botox for migraine prevention. So thank you, Dr. Olivia Begastadam, for joining us today. 
This has been such an informative session on the medications used to treat and prevent migraine. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share some information on such an important topic. Thanks for tuning into our episode. You can find additional information and doctor-verified resources about diagnosing and treating migraine on the First Contact Headache and Primary Care website. Visit us at AmericanHeadacheSociety.org slash primary care. This podcast is brought to you by the American Headache Society and made possible by Eli Lilly.